I'm Sarah Ruffi. I am the woman warrior lawyer. And today I am chatting with Nathan Halama, owner of Halama's Martial Arts. Dolly Halama, how about if you introduce yourself briefly, tell us where you're from and what you do. Okay. Yeah. My name is Nathan Halama. Um, I'm a six degree grandmaster um, in Taekwondo. So I, uh, I teach right here in Wausau right now. Um, I grew up in um, Whitehall, Wisconsin. Um, so, and I've been doing Taekwondo since I was about five years old. Um, I learned from my grandmaster who's in Eau Claire. Um, and, uh, and he's still sort of teaching there now. <laughs> so were you a scrapper when you were a kid that got you into martial arts or how did that happen? Um, no, I actually had really bad coordination. Like when I was, I think in the third grade, they said I had the coordination of a three-year-old or something. Like it was really bad. Um, and so, plus they, you know, they didn't really diagnose you back then, but they pretty much said I had ADHD and um, I was. I can't imagine why. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> now it's just focused, you know. Um, and then I also was dyslexic. So I wrote backwards. Um and so my mom put me into Taekwondo to help all of those problems. Um, and I just really liked it and never stopped. So so do you think her goal in putting you into Taekwondo is for the, the discipline or the focus or burning off energy or all of the above? All plus? of the above. Yeah, all of the above. Taekwondo is, I mean, designed specifically to teach you how to focus. And so... You know, we like to say that, you know, we don't cure people from ADHD, but like we can get people off of like ADHD medication, like by the time they're red belt, which is a little bit after a little bit further than halfway. And it's not because we've changed them. We just teach you how to take all that energy and focus it into a smaller point and, and put that energy into something more productive rather than just everything you see, you just like are scatterbrained all over the place. So you bundle it up and package it up and redirect the yep. energy. Yeah. And so we just, you know, give that energy a place to go. Right. <laughs> you know, where focus goes, energy flows. I've right? heard that somewhere. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> I think you probably heard that when you were walking on fire. <laughs> yep. And yep. how would you explain that experience? Um, you know, there, there's another exact moment that, you know, the same sort of thing as Taekwondo. Like it was about that focus, you know, they were that whole time walking across the coals. It wasn't, you know, you don't want to stop and take a selfie. Right. I mean, you, it well, was focused people as were sitting people there were doing that, photos. right? Yeah. <laughs> but you don't want to, that's how you get burned, right? You, you have to focus on what you're doing, get your mind in the right spot. And then you just plow through straight and you don't lollygag or sit and, you know, count the roses you know, you walk through it and you do it with, with determination and, um, you get your focus in the right spot. And, yeah. And cool moss, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you I walked remember on, what we said. Cool yeah. moss. <laughs> yeah. So you walked on, on coals at a Tony Robbins event. And I know because I was You're also there, there. <laughs> when you, you look back on that weekend and of Unleash the Power Within, and you compare it against growing up as a kid with ADHD and lack of coordination, who got put into Taekwondo to 
bundle that energy and focus it. Did you see correlations and things where your Taekwondo actually helped you out at Unleash the Power Within? Yeah, well, and, and actually it was kind of the other way around in a lot of ways because Unleash the Power Within is, it's kind of like a, a martial art thing, but it, it, it like brought it out for me it brought my martial arts more to a broader base. Like I feel like I did really good in Taekwondo, but it's harder to bring it out into your real life where the, you know, the, that whole seminar was, you know, he taught the same aspects we teach in Taekwondo on a daily basis. It's just that he brought it out outside the walls of Taekwondo and, and showed us how we, you know, how you change your state and how you change things. And, you know, we do that in Taekwondo all the time, but then we'd put it into a different context of, oh, well, you know, it's not just when you're fighting, you don't just all of a sudden make yourself that way when you're fighting, but you can do it anytime. You can do it, you know, walking down the street. If you don't feel very good or you don't absolutely any time of the day, you can just change your state, change how you feel, and then change your focus and then go to where you want to go versus, which I knew that, but I don't know. It, it's just, it just clicked, right? It clicked. He brought it out into a different way. And I was able to, after that, do it anytime that I wanted to do it because I've been practicing it every day in Taekwondo. And all of a sudden when I got the link, I was like, well, I can just do it. Yeah. I can just do that anytime, you know? And then I did. So after UPW, have you incorporated some of those principles into your classes at your own gym? Oh yeah. Most of them. Yeah. As many as I can. I'm, I'm constantly still watching YouTube videos and listening to stuff from him nonstop. So it's a pretty, I'm always incorporating more, adding more into it. And how are the kids responding? Um, good. You know, the new kids don't know any difference now, you know, anybody who's, who's come in, which we've had a lot of new people in since June and, um, you know, they don't know any difference. They just think the whole world is a big dance. They just think Taekwondo is about jumping around and <laughs> isn't it? changing your state. <laughs> well, it wasn't before, but <laughs> all right. So the, the people that were at your gym, your core, what was their reaction when you came back from UPW and you were all fired up <laughs> and you were going to change the way we do business? Yeah. <laughs> they thought I was nuts. <laughs> yeah. Well, they probably yeah. knew that before. Right. Now they really thought I was nuts. Yeah. They, you know, I felt like when I came back, I felt like everybody else was at like the snail's pace. Like they were barely moving. Like I go to the grocery store and I could hardly stand it. I felt like everybody was like, it would take them 10 seconds to take a step. And I was like focused. I was going to go get my chips and my drinks and whatever I wanted and get out of the store where they were like looking around and lolly. And I just, I felt like that with everything. Like I just, I was focused on where I was going and I was doing it at a hundred miles an hour. And I think it was freaking people out when I. <laughs> so at some point did you step back and say, okay, now it's time to, it's okay to be laser focused, but you got to breathe and it's okay to just relax. Well, it ebbs and flows, you know, like if I start talking about it, like we are now, I can all, I can feel the energy like build and I can feel it hype up and I want to just start doing it. I want to start teaching it. But, um, if I don't teach it for a little while, then it kind of goes down. But I'm always talking about focus because that's just what we do anyway. But um, yeah, it's just kind of a, um, that's kind of a normal thing anyway. But once I get talking about it, it gets. 
Oh, gets me all fired up. Yeah, I can feel the, I can feel it running. And even if I just start teaching it a little bit, it's like, yeah. So you're married. Yep. And you have two kids. Yep. And all four of you are black belts. Yes. Yep. Was your wife? Did she have her black belt when black belt when you guys met? No. How did um, she get into it? Just because she she wanted you to like her. No, um, we were already married. Like, well, we were just, a, when I moved here, we, I opened a gym and, you know, of course everything's half hers. And I, um, my master's wife, um, only made a first degree black belt. And I think that she gets a little less respect because just cause lower, a, a first degree black belts in the black belt era spectrum in the black belt world in the black belt world is, is pretty low on the totem pole. And so even if you're, even if you've been in Taekwondo for 35 years and you have gone to Korea and you know all these things, ah, eh, you're still a first hand and nobody really listens to you. Um, and I, you know, I think she felt like she should at least learn something about it since she owned it, you know? Um, so she got, she got all the way to a third degree. So that way she can, um, do testings and test other people and, and that sort of thing. And then she's kind of stopped. She's really focused on her career now too. So, um, and how old are your kids? Uh, Tori's 13 and Quentin's 10. And how old were they when they started Taekwondo? Uh, they, they just lived there. Yeah. Like Walking. when they were in diapers. Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have pictures of Quentin in diapers kicking boards. So um, yeah, as soon as they could do anything, they were, but it's their second home. Like, you know, if they're off school, we're at the gym all day. I mean, so even if they're not training all day, it's just, that's where we are. Cause I own the gym and it's my business. And so Plus they teach three classes a night now. So they're there a lot. So they both teach classes. Yeah. Yeah. And what degree black belts are they? Uh, Tori's a third degree and Quentin's a secondary. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I found a lot that, you know, as long as you um, focus on the, you make sure that you keep them focused right, then kids will respond to them way before they respond to me. You know, if Tori and Quentin say- they're on the same level. They're on the same level, yep. So if Quentin says, oh, you know, you should do this, and then he shows it, they go, oh, but if I say you should do it, they just go, oh, well, you're old and you're this seventh, yeah, you know, sixth degree grandmaster. you're so much older, I can't do that. Right, or, oh. or just, you know, I'm so much higher in rank. So even, you know, even the third and fourth dance, you know, they look at where I am and I'm, you know, I'm 15 years in rank away from where they are. They just think, oh, geez, well, you know, I get a lot. Well, that's because it's your business, you know, and I tell them all the time it's my business because I like it. You know, I, I love to do it all the time. That's why it's my business. It's not my business because. Well, I figured out a way know. to make money doing what I love to do. Right. Yep. And once you get that figured <laughs> out, you, you don't work a day in your life. Isn't that what exactly. the old saying goes? Yep. So, Which is kind of a fib, but yeah. Right. You just Because <laughs> there's a more. lot of parts about Taekwondo that I don't, now that it's actually turning into a business versus a sort of club, um, there's a lot of things that I'm not good at or I don't like to do as far as keeping organized and doing all these things that, you know, I like to teach. That's what I want to do. And that's what I, so there's a lot of aspects to it that have so you're an gotten artist. complicated. When you look at, looking at running a business or owning a business, Every business owner has to wear three hats, right? You wear the entrepreneur hat of this is a way we got to make money to keep the doors open. 
you wear the manager's hat of keep all of the people doing what they need to do, getting all your classes lined up and everybody, the, the instructors for each class. And then there's the artist of this is my passion. This is what I do for you. It's teaching. Yep. And we have to wear all of those hats, but one of them is clearly more comfortable than the rest. Right. Yep. yep. And yours is clearly the artist hat. Right. Yep. <laughs> Fits like a bug in a rug. Yeah. And the other ones we begrudgingly put on because we know we have to, or we find somebody else that that is their perfect hat and they can put it on and take care of it for our business. Have you found, well, have you found somebody else that either puts on the entrepreneur hat in your business or the manager hat, or do you still have to wear all three? Yeah, I still wear all three because I'm not quite to wear. So going back to the Tony Robbins thing, um, you know, one of the lessons in there was, you know, you should never be the smartest person in the room. I mean, I am now currently, but um, when... <laughs> Only in the gym, my friend. <laughs> um, no, but he had said, you know, you need to find somebody who can mentor you or, or you know, teach you what you don't know because, you know, you, you don't, you don't know, know what, you, know what don't know. you don't know. And uh, so then the next year, the year after I went to Vegas uh, for a martial arts super show and they had this um, thing called Maya, this martial arts industry association. And um, basically they just teach you how to run the business, you know, how, how to make the martial arts a business. Um, and not just a, just a club, not just having, um, a bunch of couple of people to teach, but possibly hundreds. So, um, I haven't gotten permission yet to, uh, start employing people Delegating. until I get, yep. So they know all the numbers and they know, you know, they, they walk me through this, you know, um, and, and kind of the business aspect of it. And, you know, until I get certain numbers in certain places, I'm not allowed to have employees. And so, um, you know, they have it all mapped out and so far it's really been working. So somebody really wants to talk yeah, to you. Can, can we break for a second? Yeah, let's break. So the program that you, you entered or you bought is it, it's kind of like a mentorship program. Would that be fair? Yeah. And I know you happen to get a copy of my book. Yep. Did you read it? Yep. <laughs> and one of the chapters is on mentoring. Yeah. So when you look at your gym, and I know you look at the Maya as they're your mentors and granted you're paying for their service as well, but they're grooming you to run a successful gym as a practice. How do you mentor the other instructors in your gym, as well as including your kids to get them to teach your way. Well, and, and those are two different things, right? So the Taekwondo part, we're well on our way. I mean, they're, you know, that's every step is, is laid out in Taekwondo from the time that you start to the forever. Um, so that we've been doing since since they started. So the instructors that have been there have been there sometimes, you know, Mr. Brian's been there for 16 years now. Um, so, you know, two, three days a week for 16 years. Um, he's, he's been walking those steps for quite a while. But those are just and techniques, then, right? 
teaching the the moves, those are techniques. And I know like we had talked when you came back from Tony Robbins, you pretty much wanted to mix everything up and bake a different cake. Right. Yeah. So I look at that part as being more the mentoring. Anybody can teach the techniques if you have the skills. But the the mentoring, when I think of it, really goes above those skills. And it goes to teaching the different principles that we got at UPW or that you get from other training. How have you incorporated that into your mentoring with your your well, and that's kind of part of it, and, you know, because in Taekwondo, it's all about that anyway, right? I mean, every day is a lesson on whatever focus and skills and um, all these different things. So the higher you go, the more that you learn those things and the more basically I repeat the same things over and over and over, you know, until you get them, until they're just ground in it. And and those things were, were ground into my head over and over and over. I didn't make them up. Um, you know, some things I probably do, some things I change a bit. Um, but there are different teaching techniques right right? and you know and that's the nice thing because everybody teaches a little bit different so it's the same concepts the same principle but you know like you know i might tell somebody that you know when they're doing kick they have to turn their bottom foot you know 185 degrees and you know and they just can't seem to grasp that concept but then you know somebody else will say well just turn your hips more and then they go oh well, why didn't you say that in the first place? And you're like, well, if you turn your bottom foot, your hips turn, you know, but they just, but they're focusing on but something they're focusing different, on something different. And so, you know, saying it different, having different people say the same thing, but a different way. Um, a lot of times will help people drastically in how they improve and, and, and the way that they think about it, because, and I don't have, you know, different people have a different approach um, to other people that work better sometimes too. Some people are a little bit more laid back. So they teach a little bit more laid back where, you know, master Jew is hardcore and I, and I'm hardcore. So I grew up that way. And so that's how I want to be. And, you know, not everybody wants that, you know, so you have to have that kind of, you gotta have the feel, right? Yeah. You gotta feel it out. And I, I know before we started today, you were, we were talking about how our voices project (laughs) (laughs) And that we, neither one of us have ever been accused (laughs) of not being able to project. (laughs) Actually, I have. I used to get in trouble a lot. For not, okay. For not being loud enough. So, well, let me just finish my thought. And you had commented that some of the kids, you have to make a conscious effort not to project because you're scaring the little kids. Mm Mm-hmm. And yet you were taught that you better project so I can hear you outside of the building or you're not loud enough. First, tell me about the experience learning how to project that loudly and then how you balance it out and reconcile it with this is how I was taught. But now this is what my students actually need. Yeah. You know, and everybody's different that way. Right. So at the time I was not very loud, possibly like, I don't remember. That was a long time already, but I remember he would, you know, give me pushups if I wasn't loud enough, he'd have to go outside and then make me turn around and face the wall. So that way, and if he couldn't hear me outside, 
then I wasn't loud enough. And, and you when had you had to do push-ups. Or, or you had to do push-ups. Yeah. And when you have a full room, you know, if you have however many people, and I I'm not don't put a microphone on when I'm in the gym. So you have to project above, you know, the parents and the students moving around and the, you know, the heater kicking on and whatever else there might be, phones ringing, you have to be above all of that. So, you know, if you get a kid that's freaked out, you know, like nowadays and age, the biggest thing about it nowadays is pull, you know, pull the mask down and smile so they aren't freaked out from, you know, thinking that you're just mad, you know. So if they can see your body language and they can see your face, um, you know, so I, I tend to do that a lot. I step as far away from everybody as I can and I pull my mask off, especially with the little kids. So if I'm not close, then I'll make sure that I can um, let them know that I'm smiling or having a good time. And that really calms them down, no matter how loud you are. So how young are your youngest students? Um, four and up. Yeah. So we have some really little ones. And I. so at <laughs> what point is there kind of like an age bracket where... You don't scare the living bejeebies out of them with how loud you can be. Yeah, about, you know, eight or nine is where they really like, they like tumbling, you know, they're really wiry, you know, so you can, they can fall on their face 50 times and they they're just think it's great. Then, yeah, they? <laughs> you know, they think that's fun and, you know, they'll just keep trying it over and over and over. And they're used to people telling them at that age, they're used to parents just telling them what to do. And so they don't really question it. They just... They do just it. do it. And so you don't get a lot of, you know, you don't get a lot of that where adults will go, well, is that really what, you know, and then they waste a lot of time with that, you know, because, um, because they're questioning whether or not that's the way it should be or where I got the information from or blah, blah, blah. And, um, I mean, I get that. I mean, that can be good sometimes, but at the same time, it can slow you down. If you, you know, it's like these people from Maya, you know, I pay them a lot of money to make my business successful. And if every time they tell me to do something, I say, well, but it's just going to slow me down. Like after I have been doing it for a few years and I'm fairly successful, I can start making my own changes as how I see fit. But until then I just need to shut up and follow the and rules. follow the rules and, and learn the rules before I can, you know, even remotely think that I should be able to change them to fit whatever I want. I mean, if I don't know the rules, how can I adapt them to, to make them fit for me? And, and Taekwondo is exactly like that. You have to learn a lot of extra stuff. And then in the very end, I start taking it all away. I'll be like, you remember all that stuff I taught you? And they'll be like, yeah, you don't Forget need it, it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Forget everything I taught you and, and get rid of it. And they'll be like, what? I'm like, that was just to get you to here. Now you can start letting go of some of that stuff. But, um, that takes a lot of time. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You know, first you got to learn it and then you, before you can change it, you know? Yeah. But in, it's not even just learning it. It's internalizing it. So at that point it's automatic. Yeah. It's just part of your muscles and your physiology because to truly know it is to not think about it. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's how it is with everything like that. Like, you know, I'm learning, you know, how to sell it and how to, you know, ask questions and, and, you know, selling isn't just, you know, I like to just, you know, when I teach, I tell you how to do it and you do it. You know, when you sell, you don't do that. You ask questions, you find out what they want. You, it's, it's not you the listen. same. You listen, right? What? Huh? Did you say something? <laughs> and, and then, uh, Smart Alec. <laughs> <laughs> and so that, that's a different, that's a completely different thing from what I do 
normally, you know, in Taekwondo, it's a lot more, you know, yes or no, sir. You know, we tell you what to do and then it's you, like the military. you follow it. It is. Don't ask it's, questions. Just it's do very, it. yeah. And you know, you don't, there's not a lot of questions that you need to ask. It's not like you're going to get hurt or we're teaching you how to do anything you're not supposed to do. So, um, you know, they can't see the steps in front of them. So, you know, they question it sometimes, but it's like, you know, we do this with hundreds of people. So, you know, just follow the steps and it works, you know, for so, everybody. So you talked about the little kids. You talked about the adults. How about the teenagers? Yeah, it's it all it's all the same. Like, you know, now. Um, How much actually, attitude do you get with them when they, when they walk in the gym, especially if they don't start when they're little? Yeah, it, it doesn't matter. When, once you put them into a group and everybody's standing up nice and straight and looking at a certain target, um, people like to do what everybody else is doing. And so typically they just do it. They don't, you know, every once in a while you'll get somebody who's kind of a pain, but you know, you give them a couple sets of push-ups and it's pretty well fixed. They decide that they, they don't need the push-ups anymore. They'll fall in line. Yep. They'll do it. And it's not even about the push-ups. The push-ups are easy. Most of the people in high school or whatever, they can do push-ups. It's a the fact they're doing them in front of everybody and they don't like that. Well, and so th- that was the point yep. is, and that's, that's what they not don't like. the push-ups. It's calling attention to my behavior and giving me a consequence to go with it. Yeah. Because, yeah. of course, all of our actions have consequences. Has consequences, right. Yeah. And, you know, and that's even bigger than that. Like, if they're doing something, I, I try to stay as as close to the parents as I can. And, and if they're, you know, not, if they're acting up at home, the worst thing you can do to any kid, like 10 and up, is make them go and apologize to their parents. Oh, that's pure torture, isn't yep. it? And I always make them apologize. Yep. We sit down, we talk about it. And if they won't apologize, they just sit in a push-up position until they do. And once they get used to apologizing a little bit, it gets a little easier. But, you know, we all got to learn how to apologize because, you know, you make mistakes. I mean, you just, you're never going to be perfect. So I think there are a lot of adults who don't know how to apologize. Oh, and I'm not good at it. I mean, really? you try to, but I never would have guessed. Well, I haven't been wrong yet. Oh, so I don't get to, I don't get the practice. <laughs> Is that so? <laughs> but just remember, just ask my I wife. She'll you. tell you that right away. You know, yeah. <laughs> what I'm sure what she'll tell me is he believes that he's right all the time. So he never has to apologize. Right. But in reality, he should be the one that takes his own lesson and apologizes more. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> So now is a good time for us to take a break before we switch topics. Okay. So let's, you are more than just martial arts and your gym. Says who? Couple I don't know where you heard that, but it's don't a spread it around. <laughs> I know. We'll keep it between ourselves. I know that your sphere is really small. It's not really true. Yeah. <laughs> Although you do have a couple of unique traits other than I own you. Um, and one of them is speed reading, as I understand. How did you get into speed reading and how did you learn how to do it? Well, first, I just saw it on Criminal Minds and this guy, Reed, um, could. So who said TV doesn't teach you anything? Right. Like yeah. And he could just run his finger down the page, like from top to bottom, as fast as he could. Like, and he could read this whole book. And, and I was like, 
So I just started wondering if it was even real. Like, I didn't even know if that was even a possibility or if it was just some stupid thing they did in the, you know. So I started looking it up. And the more that I looked it up, the more I realized that he was actually slow and that there's some people that can do it. They have competitions on this and that some people can do it so incredibly fast that they can't even flip. They can't get their finger behind the page. Um, They can read both pages in the time it would take to get your finger behind the page and change it. Um, and that they actually have to practice changing the page because it's too slow for the reading of two full pages. So, and that would be not you. Well, and that just intrigues me. I, I like extreme everything. So I, I don't know why, Go but figure. I every everything that I do, I like it extreme. So if it's, if it's just regular reading, I get bored with it. But if it's speed reading, you know, if I, you know, and, and even if I don't get to that point, it gets me interested in it. And then, um, so you got the idea from watching a TV show. How did you actually start? Um, I started looking it up on YouTube. Um, and then, because why wouldn't you? Right. You look everything up on YouTube and then they actually even have speed reading apps that you can get to help you. Um, it goes through exercises and different things that you can do. Um, and the funny thing is, is really they just start you out with your finger and you just put your finger on there. And if, if you, if you move your finger really slow, you'll read slow, but the faster you move your finger, the faster that you'll, you'll start to read it. Um, and when you get better, you'll start to. Um, you'll start to forget about things like, and it, the, you just, you'll miss them. You won't, you won't read them at you'll all. Just go with you'll the just, words. Yep, you'll just go with the bigger words or the important words. And your mind just kind of puts them together as you go along. And I never really got real interested in it. I mean, I mean, or I should say good at it, but it it just helps me now that I wouldn't say I'm super fast, but if I get bored with something when I'm reading it, a lot of times I'll be like four pages in. And, and when I realize that I've been daydreaming Squirrel. that whole time <laughs> and then, but if I speed read it, I have to think about what I'm doing, how fast I'm doing it. I have to process it. So I'll actually remember what I read and I will, um, I'll actually process that much better if I speed read. So for me, it works a whole lot better than if I don't, um, just, just for the concentration aspect of it. See, and but. I would think that if I ever tried it, because for me, every word, comma, period, can mean something. Right. Well, you're a lawyer, and so it it's way it changes different. the meaning. Yeah. Right. Right. And well, right. and when I read, when I read, it's a self help book, or it's a, it, it's not like I don't have to read important documents, <laughs> make sure that they all fit neatly into something. You know, I. You know, if I make a mistake reading, it doesn't probably matter much Um, where you, on the other hand, you know, it probably would. But, you know, my best friend, Scott, when he went to college, um, that was the first he was required to take a speed reading class before he even started. Um, Which makes sense because you have so much reading you got to do. Yeah. I just wonder, I've thought about it and I would think that at a certain point, it's just a matter of skimming through the words without actually letting it sink in. So... Have you done any research or see the correlation of why you would comprehend better reading faster? Um, no, I think it's just mostly like me. I just need the focus. Just, I need the focus. Yep. I need something to make my brain work and keep me in the moment. And that keeps me in the moment using my finger, looking at what I'm doing, concentrating on how fast I'm going, and then still making sure that I'm not going so fast that I 
miss everything. You so know? have you ever competed? No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Not that good? No, 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 no. I'd probably read slower than you for all I know. I just, for me, it just helped to focus and, you know, it sped me up quite a bit. I used to even know how fast I was, but I don't even remember anymore. Um, so many pages per minute you can, or, you know, whatever it is, but. Um, I'll stick with my words per minute in terms of typing. Right. And, you know, I can't type at all. So, you know, I can't spell. I can read good, but I can hardly spell my name. So, I mean, and there's one of those things that I already have people starting to do things for me, send emails, that sort of thing. So I'm just not good at Well, see, you are delegating. Well, yeah, well I always delegate. Yourself. It's just, the yeah, I just haven't gotten to where I pay people to do it yet. You know, where it's well, like so you got to figure out that you get the best of both worlds. You get <laughs> the work bit. done and you don't have to pay for it. Hello. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so in addition to your speed reading abilities, you are a hypnotist. <laughs> well, I'm not licensed or anything. No, you're so not. I was obsessed with that for a while. Yeah, too. Um there, so did that come out of the, a TV program as well, or you were watching some hypnotist on a video? No, actually, yeah, I went and saw a hypnotist, um, and you know, I saw it, and I was just fascinated by it. And the more that I read into it, the more that I, I really just wanted it for myself originally because it just increases your focus, um, increases your healing, increases pretty much everything. So if you get good at self hypnosis. Um, you know, it it can really expand your whole life. So I really studied it for, I don't know, five or six years. Um, and then I got into hypnotizing other people. Um, and that was more fun than, <laughs> than it was anything else. But so let's look at the self-hypnosis. Did you have something in mind when you got fascinated about it? Or what was it that struck you when you saw this hypnotist live and really piqued your interest. What was it, or what did what was your goal? Um, well, he had just like talked about how you remember everything you've ever seen in your entire life. So, um, from the time that you're born to the time that you die, it's in there someplace, and it's just about recalling it or being able to recall it. And then he would he put somebody under, and and uh, you know they were telling him all kinds of just you know, crazy things that they remembered, like from the day they were born and all these things. And you're like, wow, you, you know, you remember all that stuff. Is you this know? for real? Yeah, yeah. Is this for real? You know? And so I started getting into it and I started looking into it and I actually hypnotized my cousin. Um, and I had my, my mom was there and my, his mom. So my aunt, and then, um, her husband was there and then, um, a couple other people and I hypnotized them. Took him all the way back to the day he was born and he knew everything. Wall color. He knew names of nurses. Um, like he couldn't read back then, but he can now. So he can remember what the name tags looked like and he could remember their names. He could remember times. And like, did your aunt verify all yep. of this? And she was just crying because he was just like so detailed from every little thing that, um, every little thing that he said that, uh, uh, oh, am I too far away? Oh. <laughs> um, so every little thing that he said just turned out to be to be accurate and like it was freaking people out, right? But then I really got is this still not working? Oh. Um <laughs> then it then I really got into it because I'm like, wow, if you can remember all that, and then if you can do that to yourself, 
I mean. So when you hypnotized yourself, would you go in with a purpose of, I want to figure out this, or I want to go back to this event and see if I'm recalling it correctly? What, what did you do? All, uh, all of it. Yep. So I'd put myself under and then I would try to remember things. I would try to, you know, enhance what I learned. So if I remember, you know, if I read something or I was mostly it's for Taekwondo, right? So that I could, of course, you know, because you got a one track mind, right? So <laughs> mostly so that I could remember the forms or I could do them the way that master Jew had said that I should do them. Like, you know, in some ways it's like, if you hypnotize yourself, you can essentially do something in five minutes that you might take you three months to practice. Right. So if you can get the details perfectly in your mind, um, you can also do it. How'd you bring yourself out? Usually fall asleep. I mean, the problem with it is, is the theory is little better than the practice. So, I mean, I think that if you really get good at it, you probably can do a lot of those things, but the idea of hypnotizing yourself is you have to get to this point of relaxation that that brings you back into the into the um, depths of your mind, and then it's very very hard not to fall asleep or like wander into something else, and then you you know you wake up later you realize I didn't do what I wanted to do you know, and so like now like on YouTube there are tons of self um, hypnosis things. I mean if you look it up they'll guide you right through. You want to do weight loss. You want to do this. You want to do that. And they'll actually take you all the way down into hypnosis and then give you the the suggestions that you want and then bring you back out, which is way better than doing it yourself. If, if I hypnotize you, I can guide what you want and I don't lose that focus because I'm not falling asleep or I'm not getting into that trance where if you do it yourself, it's very hard to stay focused. It's hard to stay on point. So when you would do it yourself... Would you set your intention and be very clear of what you, what your goal, your purpose for that session was? Yeah. And then how did you maintain that focus as you were relaxing to hypnotize Well, and that was the hardest part there? because when you start getting really good at it, I don't know if I was really good at it, but when I start to well, get you'll say you were, but okay. better at it, I would get, there, there's all these things like I would start to feel like I was floating and then. I don't know. It just, it just felt cool. And then you'd start to, it was easy to make your mind drift. And then if you thought of something, it was, it was really vivid. So it was easy to escape into like dreamland kind of that you could control almost. And so it was very, um, it was very difficult to keep that focus when I was under. And that's why a lot of these YouTube videos and things keep you at, keep you where you're supposed to be going or if, if you have somebody hypnotize you, they can keep you on that right track or doing it by yourself is difficult just because you. So when you would hypnotize others, did they ask you to hypnotize them with a purpose or did you ever have any where it was, let's just be crazy and you made people do goofy things? All of them. Yeah. So sometimes we didn't want purpose. Sometimes we worked on getting people to stop smoking or um, pick up their exercise routine or stop eating so much garbage. Um, what was one of the craziest hypnosis sessions you remember? So I put my mom under one time 
And then whenever, so, you know, I did through trial and error. So when I, when <laughs> mom, you're my guinea pig. Well, I, I, I did it with everybody, but you know, mom wanted me to do it really bad. So I, I did it with my mom and I said, and I would always say, as you're coming back out, you know, you feel really good. You feel very happy. You know, you, your body feels really light. And when you come out of hypnosis, you'll feel just like you did when you went in. Cause sometimes people would come out and like, things would be like numb or they would feel super tired. Um, and so I told my mom, I'm like, you're going to feel so good. You're going to be relaxed and you're just, everything's going to be just awesome. She came out and she was just laughing and laughing and laughing. Like, <laughs> and it was freaking me out. I thought I like messed her, messed up, her up, you know, and she still says to this day, it was one of the best feelings ever that she came out and she just felt so good. She just let all of that stuff go and she just felt wonderful. Um, but it freaked me out a lot. Like I, I. <laughs> My mom is on drugs. Right. What she did just I do to kept her? laughing and laughing and laughing. And I thought I messed something up in there, you know, so, which you can't do. So, you well, know, because we still have control over our mind. Right. Yeah. And was that one that you went in with an intention or you just went in just because I don't really do remember. remember. Um, okay. It was a long time ago, but I, you know, I just remember the end being great for her and weird for you. Weird for me, you know, <laughs> and now that I know that, you know, it's not, but at the time, I was like, oh, God, this what is messed up. Yeah, I do? Right. And at the time, I wasn't 100% sure, you know, where it was all going. I was in high school and I was, you know, reading <laughs> books. There was no YouTube, you know. And and so it was just, um, I'd read books and then I'd try it, you know, and then read some more books and then I'd try it. And then if things didn't go right, I read some more books. And try something different. Try something different, you know. And, you know, and you can't, you can't mess anybody up. I mean, you can kind of make them goofy for an hour or two or something but when they come back out you are who you are you're not going to you know you you can make it make people believe that you know a cigarette tastes like a dead rat for a little while but even that will go away right so i mean it only lasts for so long and then you know you can say you know you just feel full you don't want to eat so much all the time you know only good food really appeals to you and and you will for a few weeks that'll feel good. But then like everything else, it will kind of, Fades it'll off. fade off. And then, you know, you either have to do it again or you got yourself into a rhythm where, you know, you'll, well, you'll keep doing it. So do you think you're living your life on purpose? Do you think you're living your purpose? Um, I wish I was, I don't know. I, I try to. Yeah. What do you think your purpose is? Um, to help people. You, you know, don't think you're doing that? Oh, I am. I am. You know, I just, I'm not doing on the scale. I want to do it yet. You yet. Know. Um, At least you said yet. So the door is oh, yeah. still firmly open. Oh yeah. I have a lot of people and, you know, and some of it's because of the, our current world that we're living in. But I have, I have a few kids right now that are suicidal. They're cutting themselves. They're hurting themselves and they don't know most of the time it's because they don't know how to get good attention. They don't get that there's good attention and bad attention and they, they just, just want attention. attention and they don't quite know how to deal with this. They don't quite know how to deal with being by themselves all the time and how to not be. Is this, is this stuff that arose during the lockdown or that they were dealing with? I have more than I, but you know, here's the thing. I've got a lot more students than I've ever had. So right. whether or not I would have had this many before, I don't, I don't know. Um, but I've got more than I thought I would have had. I mean, so 
and, and it's helped a lot of people already, you know, and even over the years, I mean, I've had so many people that gotten out of drugs and have changed their life. I get a lot of people that get, you know, almost to a black belt or to a black belt and their whole life is so different that they don't stay in Taekwondo because they think, well, I did it. I completed it, you know, and everything's different. Old girlfriends come back, their life's changed, you know, they feel better about themselves and everything. And then, then, you know, eventually they quit and then you see them about five years later. And a lot of times it goes, it goes back because you're not in the environment anymore. You know, people just think I got to help other people. I got to help other people. But if you're not helping yourself, you got to keep your picture full right in order to be yeah. able you can't, to help you can't other give people. anybody else stuff if you're empty you know and so you got to keep yourself up um people don't know what people don't know what discipline is they're attracted to discipline they'll follow you anywhere if they think they can get it you know if they think they can get that magic pill that's going to give them discipline but they do don't anything. understand that it comes from within. Right. Well, it takes a lot of practice. You you don't just have discipline. And you might think, you know, I you know, I might go for a couple of months like, oh, I got lots of discipline. And then, you know, three months later go by and I'm oh crap. You know, I gotta get back on those things again, you know, because it ebbs and flows. You know, you wanna be disciplined all the time, but you know stamina too. Yeah. And I'm more disciplined than most people that I know. You know, and com- but I don't compare myself to most people. I compare myself to the you know grandmasters that are above me, not not to the people that are below you, below me, right? So in rank, you know. But um, but yeah, so I I set myself at a different standard. And there's nothing to. wrong with that because if you don't set yourself always comparing against a better you, you're never going to go up. Right. And I've heard Matthew McConaughey talk about that in terms of who is your idol or who do you compare yourself against? And his standard response is me five years from now. Because I don't want to be the same person five years from now that I am today. Yeah. So I'm not comparing myself against anybody else, but my future self. So I'm like, well, that's some great advice that compete with yourself and where you want to be and you emulate the people that are at that level that you want to hit that's because when he competed himself against me it was always so you know he didn't think he could reach it right (laughs) he couldn't stoop that low i forgot that one (laughs) all right so (laughs) seeing obviously ego is not your downfall (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what is one of the best piece of a, pieces of advice that you've received in your life so far? Other than oh everything my. that I've told you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, I don't know. That's a hard one. Cause nothing ever, everything is always so different. You know, what I think is a really, really good piece of advice at one time doesn't always apply later. No, you but know, so it, then, it's the advice that you needed at that point in time to right, right get to move you where I am. Else. So I'm always looking for more. So I'm I don't know. Well, what's one of those nuggets that you recall receiving that actually set you off onto maybe a different path or a clearer path to get where you wanted to go? Um, 
Well, I think I think a lot of it was this, the Tony Robbins thing was a big one lately. Um, where just not, you know, you don't ever want to be the smartest person in the room. You know, you always want to be, you always want to be with somebody smarter than you because that way you can learn about whatever that is. You know, and that's where I started looking for those things. You know, I kind of started looking for my. I started looking for, you know, my Taekwondo was really good, um, but the business side was not at all you know and so i need to find somebody who could help me with the business end of it and you know the more that i do this stuff the more i look and i think okay well you know maybe i need some help with this part you know and so then i start looking for you know somebody to help with something else or you know because it's just faster to learn from somebody who already did it than try to do it yourself so right. going along those lines how do you define success um, it kind of changes, you know, it used to just be owning a martial arts school and, you know, having, you know, making black belts, you know, and now that I've kind of accomplished those things, some of them, um, now, you know, my, my next thing that I'll, that, you know, is, is having employees. Like I want to be able to make enough money to be able to pay some people to help me do the things that I need to do. And I also can you know, help them, um, you know, by giving them a job, hopefully that they like, and they want to pursue, um, you know, who knows, hopefully maybe we'll have three, four schools before we're done or more and never know. Yeah. All you got to do is set your intention, right? Right. Well, and yeah, I mean, and it's, you set the attention and then you got to get help, you know, I mean, you can set it all day, but you only know what well, you know. And then you got to work know? to get there and yeah there's somebody that has already done it. And rather than reinventing the wheel, you, right. you find that someone to get you to the next level. Yeah. So one last question, if you could simply snap your fingers and you didn't have to do anything else, what would you change about today's society? <laughs> um, wide open yeah well and this this will shock you but um i would make it mandatory for everybody to take taekwondo like i would make high schools i am i am just speechless right i would make it mandatory for everybody but not only that though it would have to be by the right certified people not just by anybody who thinks they can teach it right why would so, that be if you could snap and change the world why would you require everybody to take Taekwondo in high school? Um, because I think that it teaches you a work ethic. It teaches you how to focus. Um, it teaches you that, you know, most problems in your life are your own. Like if you want to change something, if you want something to change in your life, um, you need to change it. Nobody's going to do it for you. No matter how much you complain or how much you whine that, you, you have to make your own changes. You have to, um, you got to make your life what it is and nobody's going to do it for you and nobody owes it to you. You have to do it on your own. And quite frankly, nobody else cares. That's true. You know? Despite what everybody thinks that you're always supposed to care about me. Right. You know, I mean, that's, what was it? Dr. Phil used to always say, if you got a dime for every time somebody talked about you behind your back, you'd be, you'd have a dime. Because usually people are thinking about themselves or what's going on around them. They don't spend as much time as you think thinking about you. They're thinking about... They're thinking about themselves. They're thinking about <laughs> themselves or, or what's going on in their life or, you know, the people, you know, they might think about, 
you know, family or whatever, but they're not spending as much time as you think thinking about you or how they can, whatever, either destroy you or help you. That's not what they're, you know, they're not spending all day thinking about it because you're not spending all day your time thinking about thinking about them, thinking about them. And there's just, frankly, there's too many people. I mean, if you took everybody I knew and I was supposed to focus on all of them and how I was going to do that, (laughs) that's only five, but yeah, (laughs) Um, but even five is too much for me to think about. Um, It's just, it's just, it's too much. You, You couldn't do it, you know? So you have to, if you want to help other people, you know, you have to, you know, it's like being rich. I mean, if you don't have money, you, you can't help nearly as many people as you could if you had money, whether you like it or not. You know, if you're a billionaire, you can help a lot more people than you can if you're not. I mean, That's true. and you, you can, you could bust your butt all day, every single day and, and work as hard as you could to help everybody that you possibly could. But you take somebody who's a billionaire, they just assign 50 people to do what you've been trying to do for two years. They assign 50 people to do it and put a bunch of money into it and they could do it in three days. Maybe, you know, Part yeah, of it depends on if the drive is there. Right. right. True. Yeah. But I mean, there's a lot of those things that, you know, you have to. Kind of like, but one of the things that you had said in terms of people thinking about you or spending their time, one of the philosophies I follow is what other people think of me is none of my business. Right. Yeah. Because it truly is. And if people are talking behind my back, I don't care. I don't have time. I, I don't have time. I don't care. And if they're talking about me, that means they're not talking about somebody else. So you go ahead. I don't care what you think about me, what you say about me. All that truly matters to me is what I say about me and what I can accomplish. And, you know, the discipline that you learn through Taekwondo and martial arts, I think goes along with that philosophy. Granted, I'm not a a black belt or even a white belt. (laughs) (laughs) We can fix that. I know you can. (laughs) So, Dolly Halama, I appreciate your time and I wish you the best. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) 